Chapter 48 Whirling Poles and Swirling Eyes Eons ago, God created the first man, the Adi Manidan, who made his home upon a mountain slope. Sturdy rock caves guarded him from wind and gales. Luxurious trees and foliage growing thick upon the mountain provided him with fruits that satisfied every one of his heart's cravings. Beasts of the jungle lived in perennial fear of him. He himself led a life free of worry or fear, free as the birds that wheeled in the sky. Yet there seemed to be something sorely lacking. A yawning pit opened up somewhere in the region of his heart, a deep yearning. A lack haunted him every passing moment. He could not quite define it, but some sort of mysterious force seemed to drag him in directions unseen. He seemed to be seeking at all moments something he had neither seen nor experienced thus far. By day, he allowed his imagination full reign over this object. By night, his subconscious took over in the form of dreams. This marvellous treasure that I seek, this luscious karpakakanni, this strange force that tugs at me, how do I find it? When? The questions haunted him day and night and his heart fluttered, aching for some sort of reprieve. Meanwhile, God had given form to the Adistri, the first woman, the same instant he created her male counterpart. She lived on the other side of the mountain. Fruits from trees quenched her hunger. Fresh water from the mountain sources slaked her thirst and she lived in a cave that afforded excellent shelter. In other words, she suffered no want for all intents and purposes. And yet, a fire burned deep within, tormenting her every moment. A mysterious force seemed to bind and tug her somewhere. But where did it wish her to go? And why did it possess her spirit so? These were questions for which she knew not the answers. A towering mountain thus separated the world's first man and woman, preventing them from setting eyes on each other. One day, the weather followed the vagaries of a scorching summer. A forest fire began to rage through the mountain in all directions. So swiftly did it cut across the vast swathes of vegetation, its tongue licking the plants and trees, that the man and woman knew there was no hope of escape. None at least through the jungle. The only way was to climb up to the summit. That was where they caught their first sight of each other. And stood completely still, hardly daring to blink. Forgotten was the forest fire and even the reason for their sojourn to the summit. Gone was every instinct of hunger and thirst. This, then, was the mysterious force that had pulled and tugged at them. Within each other, they realized, lay the key to their hearts. Within themselves resided the only means to fill the gaping emptiness that had made their lives miserable. And having found each other, there was no force on earth, they realized, that had the power to separate them. High above in his celestial abode, Brahmadevan, who had observed this magical meeting with some trepidation, realized that the good work had begun and returned to his divine duties duly satisfied. It would be safe to say that our Vallavarayan and Princess Kundavai resembled the first man and woman at this very moment. This was what they had sought all their lives, whispered a voice deep within their hearts. This was indeed 
what they had waited for, the meeting that defined their very existence. Unlike the Adi Manidan and Stri, however, princess and warrior were bound by the dictates of their society and culture. Neither could ignore the difference in their respective statuses, which meant that they could not give in to their newfound rapturous feelings. Their eyes, however, played an elaborate dance, sinking into each other one moment, shifting to flowers, trees, butterflies and the lake nearby the next. Isana Sivabattar, having decided that enough time had passed in silent conversation, cleared his throat. <clears throat> Which was when both realized that their meeting had been convened for another far more important purpose. Um, I believe you petitioned Isana Sivabattar to seek a private audience with me? Ilaya Pirati's voice had a good deal of severity. Her authoritative tone, calculated to snub pretension, touched Vandetevan to the quick. He straightened to his full height in spite of himself. I am not sure I may volunteer an answer without knowing your identity, he returned, very much on his mettle. I wonder, he murmured, has Isana Sivabattar led me here erroneously? Indeed, I am plagued by such doubts as well. Who was it that you wished to speak with? I requested the butter to lead me to the Chora dynasty's most lustrous light. Emperor Sundarachora's illustrious daughter, young sister to the crown prince Aditya Karigalar. She who was born older to Prince Arulmodi Varmar. Ilaya Pirati Kundavai Devi. Well, Kundavai smiled a little. It is indeed I who bear the crushing weight of all these grandiloquent titles, I'm afraid. In that case, surely you aren't the young lady I met in the Kudandai astrologer's home and on the banks of the river Arsilare. Yes, yes, guilty as charged on both occasions, especially when it came to my mannerless conduct. You didn't expect to meet such a socially inept woman again, did you? Hardly accurate to term this a second meeting, Devi. Why not? Such a thing would be possible only if there were a parting in the reckoning. But you... You were never far from my thoughts for an instant. I didn't quite expect Tondai Mandalam citizens to be such adepts at conversation. You prefer, it would seem, to heap all praise upon Choranade and bestow none upon the pitiful rest. I must confess that that is a crime often laid at my door, and with good reason. But you don't seem to profess much affection for Choranade yourself. Not at all. I like these lands very well. Except for two great perils that seem to accost unsuspecting men at every turn. A prospect that terrifies me, I assure you. Indeed, the swords and spears of Chora warriors present a grave danger to anyone. Foreigners would do well to exercise considerable caution, especially those with circumspect motives such as spying, for example. I beg your pardon, but those weren't exactly the perils I had in mind, Your Highness. I possess a trusty sword and spear myself, and what's more, I am even well schooled in the art of their use. How true! Ah, fortunate were we indeed, the damsels privileged to witness your mastery in action upon the banks of the Arisilare. Why, your trusty weapon speared the hapless stuffed crocodile with one swift stroke. A stroke so sure that it tore open the cotton packed inside completely. Ah, but then, Namani, I must confess to ignorance about the brave demeanor of Choranada's warrior princesses who shudder and quake at the sight of dead stuffed reptiles. I didn't know, moreover, that Chora warriors made a habit of attacking corpses. 
I believed the threat to be real and used my wits. Hardly my fault or my spears. Entirely the fault of that stupid crocodile, I assure you. For it breathed its last before brave Vandya Tevar of the Vanar clan could rip it apart and send it to a glorious death, didn't it? It deserved its terrible fate. But stay, if these weren't the perils you mentioned, what else? The raging whirlpools in your river as flash floods thunder and roar through them, never to be trusted. The bane of my very existence. I can barely describe how they battered me senseless. You? In a raging whirlpool? But you hardly seem the type to even set foot in water, let alone dangerous flash floods. One cannot refuse to climb a Murangai tree having wedded a ghoulish Vedalam, as the saying goes. And it would seem that having set foot in Choranade, getting snared in whirlpools and flash floods is but a part of everyday life. And all this, I tell you, is because of a silly young man and his idiotic scruples. Would you believe me if I told you that he refused to utter a little lie? This all sounds very mysterious indeed. Would you care to elaborate? Why, so I will. The Tanjay Fort's commander, Chinna Padavetarir, sent his men to capture me, banding me a spy. Me, your beloved brother's messenger. I, however, had no desire to get caught before my mission was accomplished. I beseeched the young man of whom I had begged accommodation to escort me. Where did you stay the night? In Tanjay? The home of a flower seller outside the fort. The poor woman was mute. Oh, and her name? Uh, I must plead ignorance. But I do know her son's name, Sendanamudan. I was correct then. Proceed, please. I took the lad upon my horse and set out towards Padayare when I realized that some of Padavetariya's men were in pursuit. As I mentioned, I had no wish to get into their clutches before I could accomplish my task. When we arrived at the Kudamuruti, I instructed the young boy to carry on upon the horse while I stepped down at that point. They will believe me to be the rider and go after you, I said to him. Once they have you, they will realize their mistake. Should they question you about my whereabouts, tell them I fell into the river and drowned. But that dratted boy appeared to have been the direct descendant of King Harichandra himself. How may I lie that you have drowned when you are no such thing? he asked. And so, my lady, I had to turn my lie into the truth, all for the sake of his testimony. I tied him to the horse well and good and jumped headfirst into the river. Amma, the murderous whirlpools and treacherous swirls that haunt Chora waters, especially by the banks. A terrible time I had trying to escape them and swim to safety. In the end, I had to grab hold of a sturdy tree root and haul myself somehow onto land. But Devi, what did you think I saw, even as I was swirling around in those dangerous pools, half-conscious, fighting for every breath and aching for land? What were my thoughts, do you think? Pray, how may I know? Gajendra the elephant's divine salvation, perhaps? No, never. I saw kyle fishes in the waters, my lady, caught in the currents and as hapless as I was. Those beautiful creatures, long and sleek, reminded me of the eyes of Chora women. Even those strangled by traitorous water currents may somehow make their escape. But a man ensnared by a Chora damsel's exquisite eyes and their swirling beauty, I thought, may never free himself of their toils. It is a common habit, I've noticed, to blame women and their beauty for the mistakes and weaknesses of others. Men in particular are constantly guilty of this crime. Indeed, I freely admit my sins, 
quipped Vandya Tevan. Why on earth wouldn't I? The melodious notes of a flute wafted over to them from within the palace. Kinikini, Tandai Silam ornaments twinkled as feet danced upon the floor while the Mattalam thundered its beats with majesty. The many voices of young women rose in sweet harmony as they sang an Aichiyar Kuravai, a collection that was part of the famed epic Silappadigaram. Kandrukunila Kaniudirtha Mayavan Indrana Manul Varumel Avan Vayil Kondrayan Tingudal Kela Motori Kollayan Charal Kurundusitta Mayavan Yellayna Manul Varumel Avan Vayil Mullayan Tingudal Kela Motori Will you not know, my dear friend, of the presence of Mayavan, who draws fruits from the trees in our groves and enters our herds by the exquisite notes of the divine flute at his lips, like the sweet perfume of jasmine and kundrai? Kundavai and Vandiyatevan stood rooted to the spot, spellbound by the song's beauty and devotion until the very end. Instruments began to play again. The Mattalam sounded its steady beat and anklets twinkled a sign that the dance had resumed. The palace performs its Kuravai Kutti, no doubt, ventured Vandyatevan. I had the fortune of witnessing one such in Kadambur Palace. Not that they were the same, of course. True, my companions learn their pieces even now. They will begin to look for me soon. And now, what brings you here? asked Kundavai. As to that, your highness, I am happy to announce that I have accomplished my mission, the task I set upon from Kanchi. Having braved whirlpools, traitorous flash floods and betraying eyes, I bring you this, your brother's ole to you, safe and sound. And Vandyatevan held out the palm leaves with a flourish. Hidden meanings and explanations. One cannot refuse to climb a murungai tree having wedded a ghoulish Vedalam. Vandyatevan's referring to an ancient Tamil proverb, Vedalatirkku valke pattal murungai maram agavendum. The inference is quite clear. When committed to a cause, one cannot back out but follow through, no matter the complications. <laughs>